Can I just echo what Dina said about Thursday nights? It has been wonderful. And I think one of the key lessons that people who are participating in this are learning is that most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, fear is a liar. The things that we're really afraid of, most of the things, there's nothing really scary about them. And uh, don't get me wrong, if a bear is running at you, fear is your servant. Uh, The adrenaline, the fight or flight, all that stuff, it makes sense. But most of the time, the things that keep us from doing something or keep us from not doing something, most of the time, it's it's an intimidation. It's a bully. It's a mirage. It's not true. And as we're looking at God's calling on people's lives, just everybody, not just high school seniors, but senior citizens uh, and and everything in between, one of the things that will keep us from being obedient, and, and I don't mean obedient like you're disobedient and you're going to hell, or, well, the grace of God, you're disobedient, but you have to live in like the single wide section of heaven, or it's not a demeaning disobedience. It's disobedience most of the time just, just puts me in a position where I forfeit God's best. What God really wants for me, I can forfeit because of disobedience. Does that make sense? So I'm not, I'm not worried about hell. Jesus dealt with all of that. Somebody say Amen. I am so glad that he is my savior, that I am not my savior, that my relationship is a covenant and not a competition against other people to be better than them so that I'm in the top 49 percentile so I get to go to heaven and the bottom 51%, you know, have to go to Ohio State. I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I'm just glad that he does all the heavy lifting when it comes to my salvation, right? But, but there's, this, there's this narrow road there's just one way. There's just the way, the truth, the life, Jesus. But once you get through the door on the other side of the kingdom, how many of you guys know the kingdom of God is huge? It's expansive. It's broad. And what the devil does, or what his only weapon is, is, is the lies that he's always spoken, believed. And when we believe a lie, it many times has the same authority as a truth. And so we believe, I can't, I can't, God doesn't, God won't. Uh, we can refer back to one thing that we misunderstood, like God didn't do something, and we base our theology on what God didn't do versus what God has promised to do, right? So fear most of the time is a liar. And as people are taking these steps out, and they're, they're kind of hearing that call, you know, like the first, the first week we had an assignment, here's a $10 gift card to give away ice cream to anybody that God puts on your heart. Now, I many guys know if you're giving away $10 of kale, that might be hard, but $10 of ice cream on a warm summer night, it's not a tough assignment. So, but here's the deal. Just, just to get the muscles working, just to kind of get the faith started, just to understand that people don't hate you, that, you know, that you can talk about Jesus, you can talk about the church. Like, take this, everybody got one, every adult, and sometimes every kid, if they wanted to, and just find somebody that, that for whatever reason, they, they, they stand out to you, walk up to some hair. Some friends of mine at church, and I, we just want to give you uh, some, some ice cream for your family. God bless you guys. Have a great night. And it can be just that simple. I had one corny line prepared. Hey, what could make tonight sweeter? <laughs> Uncle Ray's. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So, but when we hear that call, that moment, like I'm supposed to do something. How many of you guys get that kind of, how many of you guys know what I mean when I say pucker? Like, like when you teach your 16-year-old how to drive, pucker. That, that sense of, I, I know this is right, but ooh you know, pucker, right? So you might be surprised to find out that a lot of people, prophets, apostles, when they first contact, when that call comes, usually the first thing they say is the same thing that we say. And we watch them as their lives progress. How many of you guys got about 20 minutes to hear how people say no to God? Anybody want to hear? Isn't that an encouraging sermon? Here we go. This is it, number one. This is Moses. So God appears to Moses, burning bush, bare feet. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm calling you to go back to Pharaoh 
and tell him that I say, let my people go. And he goes like, man, what a great call. I'm so honored. I, I can't wait to post this on my Insta Facegram. I can't wait to tweet face this. I can't, I, everybody's going to be so proud of me and, and I'm going to be famous. What's he say? This is what he says. He goes, but Moses said to God, come on, man. Do you know, like, do you know who I am? How many of you guys know God probably knows who he is? Do you know who I am? No, no, I, I'm a third culture kid. I, I was raised in Egypt in the household of Pharaoh, but I'm no Egyptian. And I, I was, I'm actually by blood an Israelite, but I'm, I don't know what it is to go through what they go through. And, I, and I, I was a murderer and I ran away to save my own life. And now I've kind of built this new thing where no one knows who I am and no one cares. And now you're telling me to go back where I don't fit, where I don't belong to speak to people that want to kill me. And I'm not having a good day. And he just says this, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. I've seen this. Um, here, take this. And because I'm the pastor, they're a little nervous to say no. Take this $10 gift card and just go hand it to somebody. They're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got it. 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 You know? And they take that $10 gift card and here, here, here. You know, and people are like, okay, what's going on? So, but I've watched other people go, $10? Come on, give it to me. You know, hey, you. And, and the difference is, one person is responding maybe in their fears, because this isn't what I do. This is not who I am. Listen, I can count the gift cards. I can alphabetize the names on the gift cards. I can color code and barcode and circular chart, pie chart, the entire event, but I don't do people. Somebody say amen. Come on. I'm not going to say amen. I don't do people. You already said that. But Moses says to me, like, listen, this is not what I do. This is not who I am. You, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm, I'm not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. I'm more like Larry, Moses, and Curly. Like, I, I don't do this. And so God says some things to him. We'll get to it in a minute. And he continues. So God has answered that. But here's his next objection. Moses said to God, I love this. Moses said to who? To God, just like we do. Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Does that seem like an odd question? I don't think the question matters. I think the the thing is this. What if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? I mean, I'd totally talk if I was smart. I'd totally talk if I knew the answer. What about the the hermeneutics of Lucan historiography? What do do you do with, you know, the, the molecular biology structures that would lean towards a certain belief of scientific? What what about the history of the Inquisition and how Christianity has traditionally and historically been a force for evil? What do you do? What about gun control? Who'd you vote for? I'd just rather not talk about it. You know what I'm talking about? And what's funny is nobody has said any of that yet. We just said, take a $10 gift card and give away ice cream. But what if they ask me a question? And I don't know how to answer. Anybody ever been there before? So why do you go to church? And you're like, uh, uh. And really what we're saying to God, what Moses is saying, like, I want so much knowledge that when a question is asked, I don't really even need you. When witnessing is not knowledge, it's the testimony of you. Look at this. We got one of you men in the back. He continues, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me and they don't listen to me and they say, the Lord didn't appear to you. What if they think I'm nuts? You know, I've heard this one recently. You know, this was probably easier 10 years ago when everybody believed in God. It's like, well, you didn't witness anybody 10 years ago or you know that was a stupid thing to say. 
<laughs> Everybody believed in God. Well, you know, now Christianity in decline, the, the megachurch scandals, what's happening with this group or that organization or this denomination. I mean, it's really, Christianity has fallen out of favor. And I'm like, like, listen, I live long enough to know that Christianity with the unbeliever was never favorable. People might have had religion. They were more comfortable with religion, but no one's ever been comfortable with the statement, you must be born again. Everything you believe, everything you know is a lie, and unless you reject it all and give it all to Jesus, you cannot have the kingdom or its king. That's never been a popular message unless you were desperate to know the truth. Does it make sense? So this thought of, well, you know, what if they think I'm nuts? Trust me, would you? They're going to think you're nuts. I'm glad we talked about it. Everybody feel better? What an encouraging message. Look at this. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant in the last 90 seconds. Despite all of our relationship over the last minute and a half, I still don't have this eloquence. And so I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. You speaking to me, you telling me to go, hasn't given me anything other than a demand that's greater than I can meet. And I just, I'm just really struggling, God. I'm barefoot. Hey, can I sing you a song? Would you, I'll raise my hands when I do, and you'll know I'm serious. Okay, right? Hear me sing you a song, you know? Hey, can I, can, I, can I take a couple of goats or a couple of sheep from my herd and just give it to you? Or better yet, I'll, I'll slaughter them, and you, I'll give you the blood, but I'll give the meat to the poor. Can we just arrange that deal where I just, can I write a check? Can I just like the post? Can I just, what's the least I can do before I'm in trouble? Because you're asking me to do something I don't do, and I'm, and I'm not, and come on. I'm being set up to fail here, right? I've been standing barefoot at this bush for several minutes now, but what you may or may not have realized is I'm still just me. And you're asking me to go to stand in front of a guy who thinks he's God and tell him he's not. Not unlike Thursday night, right? But none of this is really the problem. And I, I, I think Moses finally gets honest. Some of you guys know that if you, you ask a question, you know, why? And they answer, well, why? And they answer it, why? And, but I don't, but I don't. And finally, he finally just he says to God, after all the patience of God, all the answers, he says this statement here. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. I, I just don't want to. Do you see that? Now, <clears throat> you're in church on Sunday morning with a one-eyed pastor looking you straight in both of your sound eyes. All right? How many of you, that's not far, if not directly on the truth of your own life when it comes to sharing your faith with people that don't believe? Come on, I just, couldn't you just like raise Billy Graham from the dead? Could you, what if I just like it and they start watching online and then six months from now they ask questions and then a year from now they come to church and then six months after that they give their life to Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that? But here, here's the issue, guys. Understand this. God is patient, answers all the questions until this one. When Moses says, I just really don't, just please ask somebody else. Verse 14 says this. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. God has been patient this whole time, but it's kind of like, hey, you know what? I love what Joyce Myers says. Don't wait until you're not afraid to do it. Just learn to do it afraid. Because most fear is not true. It, it's, it's, it's something we build up in our minds. It's an intimidation. It's a lie, right? So God is upset with Moses. Why is he upset? Because back to Nehemiah, God wasn't using Moses to build something great. God was using something great to build Moses. And until Moses saw that he was called to be more than a murderer more than a third culture kid, more than some guy who had a past that didn't want to talk about it, more than somebody that had all this just history and issue. I just, I just, just let me sit alone with my sheep, man, because people bite, but sheep don't have canine teeth. So let me just be me with me. And blah. 
right? And he cuts himself off from the world and he forms this island of self-preservation and, and God invades the island and says, you are not called to live on an island. You're called to be talked about 3,000 years from now as a great person who had great faith. How many of you guys know God wants to change our relationship with him? He said, well, my relationship's great. He wants to make it greater. My relationship is non-existent. He wants it to exist. My relationship, you understand the power of my pedigree, and I, I do. You have more degrees than a thermometer, and you've had wonderful experiences, and you've been in the front row at Toronto, and you've been to all the revivals, and, and you, you've got Redding tattooed on your rear end, whatever you got, right? That's wonderful. That's great. And you know all the names are all in your speed dial. Understand this. Whatever we've experienced on this earth, our prayer is still let your kingdom come. Come on. More God, more God, more God, more God, right? What about Solomon? I mean, that's Moses' stuff. Those were his reasons. What about Solomon? What's his first reaction to being called? He goes, now, Lord, my God, um, you've made your servant king in place of my father. He's adolescent. That's why I've got the Peter Brady voice. You notice that? You are old as you laughed at that. Thank you for doing so. I, you made me king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little kid. I don't know how to carry out my duties. Remember, David used to come home from the office covered in the bodily fluids of his enemies, throw a bloody sword on the kitchen table and say, honey, I'm home. And here's Solomon going, I don't kill people. I'm not a warrior. My daddy's hands were the size of my skull. And when he said, clean your room, I'd say, can I have a minute? Can I play one more game? He said, he just looked at me and I go, okay, he's going to kill me. And I, you know, that's not me. I'm, I'm this insignificant, I'm skinny. I'm smart. I'm not brave. I'm, I'm wise. I'm, I'm not heroic. I, I don't conquer nations. I, I build buildings. So I can't do it. And this is what he's saying. Hear me. God, you don't understand. The people you want to use aren't like me. Anybody get that one? The people you want to use aren't like me. They're like kings who came before me. They're like Billy Graham. They're like the people that are bold. And understand this, every man who's bold today was a coward once. Everybody who's smart today was just as dumb as we all are today. Why? They applied themselves. They worked. What about Jeremiah? Here's another famous prophet of the Old Testament. Lord, I, I want to use you. And he goes, alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. No one's going to listen to me. What about Isaiah? Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. <laughs> hey, you've got a meaningful life. I want to use you. Woe to me. I am ruined from a man of unclean lips. I can't even kiss my mama with his mouth, let alone use it as an oracle for God. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. And he's like, oh, he's freaking out. What about the apostle Peter when he was the fisherman Pete? When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet, the miraculous catch of fish, and he said, go away. Lord, just, just go away from me. I'm a, I'm a sinful man. And the Bible wants to make sure it includes this, and so were all of his friends. James, who's going to be an apostle. John, who's going to be Jesus' best friend. And the, and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. All these guys fish naked all night with no women to make them civilized. And Jesus goes, yeah, I picked them. And he goes, these, these unholy men contact this holy person. They don't know he's the Messiah yet, but he's doing miraculous things. They're like, oh God, do me a favor. Sooner or later, you're going to discover you don't want to be around me. Sooner or later, you're going to realize you don't want to use me. Sooner or later, you will come to grips with the failure that I am. Listen, I've come to grips with the failure that I am. Don't get my hopes up. I'm a loser. I'm a fisherman. I'm an all-night guy. I'm a naked fisher guy. I'm a, I'm a, my, my buddies are losers. My friends are losers. Why don't you just let me be a loser? 
before you break my heart by being disappointed in me, as everyone else is disappointed in me, just, just go. I can't get my hope. Just go. Just go. And I love what Jesus says. Hear this. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. What's the issue? Don't be what? Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. Isn't it neat how God knows everything about everybody? And yet he called them in spite of who they were the moment he called them. Hear me. Obedience to your calling begins the evolution to your destiny. You are not enough, but you can be. You do not have what it takes, but you will. It's faith in God. Let me sum up the the fear part, this first part. It, It isn't that God doesn't see who we are. It's that God does see who we're going to be. It's interesting when God speaks to a completed work while it's still dough in the oven. Have you ever come home and you smell dinner? It's still kind of raw, but it's in the oven. We made ribs the other night. How many guys know there should be a scented candle called Dina's Ribs? <laughs> you know, we went for a walk. We came back. It's just like, hey, how's the, the business and the dog? And they're like, ah. Like Calgon took me away. It was this beautiful moment of just, oh, I, I didn't realize I was hungry until I smelled heaven, you know? Well, it wasn't ready to eat, but it was, it was perceivable as being in process. Does that make sense? Let me tell you something. You not being complete is not a stench in God's nostrils because he knows the dinner that you'll become. He knows the meal that's in process. He, he can see it. He can smell your destiny because he created you to be who you are. And even though we are where we are on Thursday nights, trying to figure this out, trying to get the boldness to talk to one person, trying to be obedient, trying to quit the job to start the business, trying to get rid of the business to start the job, trying to work out this relationship, trying to fix things. Understand this. Whatever you're going through right now, God God doesn't see who you are at the moment as well as this finished thing. He sees who you're going to be. And that's why he speaks to apostles when they're naked fishermen. That's why he speaks to prophets when they're cowards who've murdered and just want to forget about their past the way that he does. We are not what we have done. We will be what he's done for us. And he sees us as a completed work. Are you getting this today? Let me see if I can clear some things up. Just let's just clear the air. You ready? I can't do what God calls me to do. You can't do what God calls you to do. No one who's ever done what God's called them to do can do what God has called them to do, right? Only God can do through willing vessels what God calls willing vessels to do. Liberate yourself from the thought that I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too dumb, I'm too smart, I'm too far gone, I'm too evil, I got a past, I got a history. Stop. God knows who you are when I hand you that $10 thing. God knows who you are whenever you're connecting whatever the dots are in your life to this message today. It's not an accident that you're here. I don't believe that. I I believe that God is so finely tuned. All the the, the, the stuff in our lives, we find ourselves in the right place at the right time, watching the right live stream, listening to the right radio station, you know, just scrolling up on Sunday morning, Facebook, and I pressed on this guy, never heard before and all of a sudden I like this is not an accident this is destiny and I believe so many of us will die unfulfilled and having not fulfilled the reason for our birth because we see ourselves as we are when God sees ourselves as we shall be that's why he speaks to cowards as apostles because they are that's why he speaks to murderers as prophets because they are it's an honor to be asked to carry salt It's an honor to be asked to to shine light, but I don't create salt and I don't understand light. I'm just the guy that gets the honor of being handed something and going, anybody need some salt? Anybody need some light? Here, uh, oh, sorry, that was the lamp. Okay, here's the, all right, good. Sorry, there's oil on your eggs now, right? We're called to carry God's qualities, not manufacture our own. 
right? So understand this. No one is going to be ever too much or not enough. No one. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm too messed up. There are people in Scripture that fascinate me because they have these dramatic testimonies and we don't know their names. They're like woman caught in the act of adultery. How many of us would just rather be called Beatrice? Right? But her testimony is, look how merciful God is to repent. Come on. What a, what a great thing to see. And she was the one who, whom Jesus used to show us. What, what about naked cat-eating guy? Also known as the demoniac of the Gadarenes in Mark chapter 4. But we like to call him naked cat-eating guy because it's just so much more fun. What was his name? I, nobody knows. He didn't say, hi, my name's Bill. I'm in my right mind. I'm feeling better now. But Jesus delivers him from a legion of demons? And we don't know his name? No. He's the demoniac of the gatherings. She's the woman caught in the act of adultery. And you can say, well, these, these, these things would disqualify them. It's the woman at the well who had five husbands in the Samaritan village and now was shacking up with Bubba who wasn't even her husband. We don't know. We know their stories. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Understand this. None of them are qualified, but their testimonies have, have encouraged generations to salvation. I'm too messed up. I go, oh, good. I love it when the messed up people get saved. I love it when the messed up people preach on Sunday. I love it when the messed up people become youth pastors. I love it when the people who are known for nothing but debt get out of debt. I love it when people are known for nothing but addiction get sober and free. We might not know your name, but your testimony of Jesus is famous, right? I've done too much. I'm like, yay. The too much crowd is here today. <laughs> Man, if I walked in that church, the walls would fall down. I'm like, right, let's try it. I'm willing to test your hypothesis. I'll see you Sunday. I won't sit next to you, but I will see. I will see. I, you know, I'm too young. How old should a child be before they begin to minister? I Stop. My four-year-old grandson the other day, I, I, I had nothing to do with this. His father, Pastor Josh, handed him the $10 gift card for the family. Now, your job, Hollis, is to pray and ask Jesus who needs ice cream. So Hollis, you know, all right, let's rock. Let's do this. They're walking around for a while. He sees two ladies sitting under a tree. And he says, Daddy, I think we're supposed to give it to them. Josh, being a good father, says, let the spirit lead you, kid. You're my son, but really, I'm just stewarding God's son. So you need to hear his voice. My voice says, don't run in the street. Don't hear your sister. His voice says, turn to the left, turn to the right. Don't be afraid. So he walks up to these ladies. Now, a four-year-old who, by the way, is the most adorable child <laughs> on the planet says, this is for you. And what is it, sweetie? It's ice cream. Why are you giving us ice cream? Because it's from our church. And they both start crying. Is he too young? Nope. Is his sister two-year-old? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I'm, I'm too old. Jim, this is wonderful. I appreciate this. And I remember when I was younger, I used to believe this. But now that I'm, now that I'm in my 50s, God would expect nothing from me. One of the greater testimonies I've ever heard. You guys got two minutes for a story? What if it goes three minutes? Okay, you, you did this. I got 11 minutes and 14 seconds, and it shouldn't take but half of that to tell me this two-minute story. Uh, I was a chaplain in a nursing home in Phoenix, the sweetest old gals in the world. 
When I went on a date to find out what the girl was made out of, I took him to the nursing home because they would just size them up. These New York Jewish widows. Oh, Jimmy, she's the tramp. She'll ruin, she'll ruin your life. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, oh, Jimmy. Oh, close your eyes. Is she still pretty when you close your eyes? Well, that's the problem, see? Someday she's going to look like me. Oh, dear God. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> really? All of you? <laughs> you know? So, I'm there one night on a date, and I, someone's coming through. I said, well, let me get away. And I ran into a walker. How many of you guys know that right after the walker, either it's, oh, excuse me, or you're like a thump. And I help, I fall, and I can't get up. So, oh, oh. And I hear this, what's with a blankety-blank you going? I thought, I just made a new friend. I'm the chaplain. But I, there's one person I've never met because she lives alone. Her door is always closed, and you're not to disturb her because she hates humanity. She's bitter. She doesn't care if she hurts your feelings. She doesn't care if she hurts your face. She doesn't care if she hits you, bites you. Like, just stay away from her. Her name is Gertrude. So I turned around. And I said, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. And she said, it's people like you. And it's things like this. And no respect. Now, when I turned around, she's 75 years old. She has osteoporosis. She's in Daisy Duke shorts. And she's wearing a tube top. I'm just saying. <laughs> if you're on the radio, nothing happened. But if you're watching, I'm sorry that I had to tell the story that way. I turned, and she's like, you people. And I said, I said, hey, I know you. She goes, what's it to you? I said, you're Gertrude, aren't you? She said, I am. I said, I've been hearing things about you. I heard two things. She said, what'd you hear? I said, I heard you're the meanest old broad in this whole place. <laughs> and she, she smiled. She goes, it's true. <laughs> she smiled. It's true. She said, what else did you hear? I said, I, I heard somehow you have the most beautiful grandkids. She goes, that's true too. W- would you like to see them? I said, I'd love to see them. We sat for two hours. And she went through every child on that, on that wall. This is, this is Beatrice. She never calls. She never writes. She's a tramp. This is Billy. He dropped out of school. He's a failure, just like his father. But she, was, she loved them, but she was a proud of none, right? Uh, a few weeks later, hey, you should come with me to church sometime. You're, you're here, you're all alone. But you're, you're, as much as you're trying to hide it, you're a very lovable person. Uh, don't let it get out. Don't, don't let people know that. It's... Yeah, my crusty exterior, you know. She says, where, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go to church. Uh, I just, I don't want to be around Gentiles. No offense, Jimmy, you're okay, but there's, you know, Gentiles. I don't want to be around, it's just Gentiles. <laughs> okay. Um, I said, well, what if I could find a Jewish church? Oh, synagogue and uh, Temple Beth Boring. No, I don't want anything to do with it. So I'm, I'm flirting with a girl who sells frozen yogurt who turns out her father is, a, is a, a rabbi, but so Christian by conversion, followers of Christ, but Jewish by birth. It's perfect. It's a Messianic congregation. His name is Shelley Volk. I forget his daughter's name, but I, I said, I found the church just for you. So she goes with me and she's there and it's time to introduce yourself to the congregation. Any first time visitors, would you please stand on your feet and introduce yourself to the congregation? About, about half the, the size of this, this little section of the room. That's how many people are there. So she stands up. Everybody knows she's a visitor because everybody knows everybody. Would you introduce yourself, please? She goes, well, um, my name's Gertrude. I'm uh, 75 years old. I've had five heart failures. And I'm looking for a lover. (laughs) And then sits down. Great. That's great. Thanks, Gert. That's great. And Shelly says, well, Jesus will be your lover. And she goes, ah, we'll see. We'll see. Now, hear me, hear me. This, I'm sorry, it took so long to tell the story. Six weeks later, she meets her Messiah. I mean, gives her life to Jesus. For the next six weeks, 
She comes out of her room. She calls all of her children that are tramps and dropouts and failures. And she tells them that she loves them. And she asks for forgiveness because she'd received mercy. She gives six weeks, gives her life to Jesus. Six weeks later, she goes home to be with Jesus. Her children from all over New York, all over the East Coast, they come to the funeral. I happen to be at the, at the nursing home. They stop by to do some paperwork and said, hey, they were looking for you. The son especially wanted to talk to you about some things that happened in his mother's life. I'm like, oh, crud, here it comes. I converted your mom. She joined a cult and died. Thanks. You know what I mean? And, and uh, he said, do you have a minute? I said, would you like to step outside and have this conversation? I thought, I think I can take him. He's just a skinny Jewish guy from New York. I, I don't, so I, I, walk, I walk out. I, yeah, yeah, so what can I do for you? What, what are you? You know, you want to talk outside? You know, okay, yeah, I'm ready. So he's, he says, uh, what did you do to my mom? I'm like, well, could you be more specific? And he said, she was the meanest old witch. We couldn't stand her. She abused us verbally every day of our life. She hated us. She was bitter. And then I get this phone call a month ago saying she loves me and she asked for forgiveness and we, we talk daily. Like, what, what did you do to my mom? This is what I'm trying to say. I'm too old to be used by God. Six weeks from dying of old age in her sixth heart failure, Gertrude witnessed the power of Jesus Christ to an unbelieving, neglected, abused family. So are you too old? Are you too young? I'm too dumb. Exhibit A. (laughs) There's, There's just, I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes. I just, I think about Clara so often. I'm sorry I keep bringing this up. I'm not enough. Hydrocephalic, is that what the... Yeah, so not even close. <laughs> but where, where there was supposed to be gray matter of a brain, there was water. According to the science, couldn't hear, couldn't feel, couldn't taste, couldn't smell, couldn't think. And yet, that little girl taught this church more about love than this old man ever has. So was she enough? to be used by God? Are you enough? Are you too old? Are you too young? Are you exactly what God knew you'd be when he opened up the door for you to hand a $10 gift card to somebody or share your faith or make the decision that's in front of you to make? The most important thing you need to know to be a witness for Christ is Christ. And, and, and then if there's an argument, then if there's a debate, so be it. But understand this, a person with an argument has a different authority than a person with a testimony. Now, there's no such thing as God. It's like, well, that just blows my theology out of the water. Unless I've experienced him firsthand, know his mercy, seen his power work in people's lives, then it's kind of like, well, what a sweet little argument you have because you're blind, but if you could see what I see, you'd know who I know. And so I'm not offended by your blindness. It compels me to be compassionate to help you to see. I've lost debates with people that were smarter than I was, but I didn't lose my faith because I met my creator, <laughs> Well, why didn't God, where was God, why doesn't God, why did God? All I know is him. And so I'm not at the mercy of somebody with an argument or a problem or an education. I know who he is. It's not about you guys. It's not about what you know. It's not about your age. It's not about your qualifications. it, It is about not being ashamed of God. And it is about not being ashamed of you. And if you get that, then you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Worship band, join me if you would, please, right? It's it's about trusting him with the hearts of others as, as I've trusted him with mine. It's about growing to love and trust him more. And here's the biggest thing ever. It's about believing that God believes in you. If you get this one, you get it all. 
And if you don't get it, I'm not saying you can't go to heaven from there. I'm saying you can't bring heaven to earth without this. If you don't believe that God uses murderers and God uses old ladies and God uses little boys and God, God uses the uneducated, if, if you believe that you have to be something profound to be simply used, you're missing all the scripture says about the simple confounding the profound. God loves shepherd boys. Come on. God loves murderers. God loves fishermen that fish all night naked. Like what God wants to use usually is a person that reveals his glory, not the glory of the person he calls. So your inability is crucial to his glory. So it's not coming up with an answer before the question's asked. It's standing there with a question being asked, opening your mouth and hearing heaven speak through you because you took the risk to trust God. We're learning about this this summer. We're learning about this thought of, of God wanting to use people, God believing in the dreams of building your gym, the dreams of restoring your marriage, the dreams of raising your children to be whatever you've got has shown you they're supposed to be. We're, we're, we're trusting God to use our, our, our hurts, our, our gifts, our past, our present, our future. We're, we're learning to say to God, here I am. The Hebrew phrase is Hanani. Here I am, here I am. God, here I am. Use me. As we close out our time this morning, that clock says I still have a minute and 32 seconds left. So I want to use all of those before we go back to the last, the last song and get ready for this week of vacation Bible school or, uh, I'm sorry, explore camp. Uh, it's going to be over the moon. It's going to be awesome. And the moments that will not be forgotten amongst the millions that will will be the moments that you took a step in faith to pray for a kid who got hurt, to, to say something that a child's never heard before. They've heard, but they've never understood. That at, at work, in your own family, um, God wants to use the simple, 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 wonderful, beautiful, simple things that we are to confound the wise, powerful, organized God likes using shepherd boys to kill giants because the shepherd boy doesn't get the glory. God likes using naked cat-eating guys to lead the Decapolis to Christ and a revival. God, God's using the woman at the well who's had five husbands and is living with Bubba right now. God, God loves to use people who are disqualified, unable, uneducated, not strong. I'm not saying so. Let's all cheer that on. I'm simply saying this. Whatever reason you have for not being obedient, it's just fear. What are you afraid of? I'm a, what if they ask a question? What if they, but hear me. I, I would say this. The, the greatest blessings of God always come after the greatest obedience to God's command. Do you see that? Yes, no. Do you see that? So I obey. I, it's like I level up. I hate to go Donkey Kong on you, but I, I level up. And I obey and I, I level up. And the view gets better. And, and God feels nearer. And I'm living life on adventure. I'm, I just, uh, I'm so sick of religion. <laughs> the things I don't do so I can make God bless me. Stop. Just be what God calls you to be. Just do what God calls you. Just go where God tells you to go. And if that leads you to be downtown handing out stuff or throwing boats in the river and breaking the hearts of children everywhere or these broken hearts brought to you by Kingdom Builders. That's what I thought she said at one point. Like, this is what you remind me of this week. We made kids cry. I'm like, yes, good. God can use a broken heart. Stand your feet, but don't leave. Is that cool? Stand your feet, but don't leave. You can tell who's listening because they're standing. I was like, oh, they're standing. Must be over. Look right here, please. So where are you at? You and God, where are you at? The, the first 
Active obedience is often the most difficult because it's saying all of my yesterdays that I'm going to try to manage, try to work through, try to deal with, try to compensate for, try to forget. That's what Moses did. That's what Jeremiah did. That's what Isaiah did. That's what Peter did. I'm the worst thing I've ever done. I'm not what you want to do for me. I'm what I've done to me. Often the first step of faith is just say, God, I trust you with me. I'm just going to give you me. I got no greater offering to lay on the altar of, of, uh, for your glory. Just me. So you know what I've been. You know what I've done. And yet I'm in this church right now. I'm, I'm listening to this message right now. I'm, I'm, I'm like, there must be a reason that I'm not watching mash reruns right now. There must be a reason. And I think the reason is simply this. A loving God who knew you, who knew what you're going to do, all the good things, all the bad things, decided a long time ago to die in your place through the body, the life of Jesus Christ to pay for the sins of all mankind once for all and as we embrace that salvation we enter a covenant a marriage a relationship where it, it, this is better or worse this is richer or poor this is sickness and health this isn't like as long as you tickle my fancy as long as you make me dance every Sunday it, it's not even one sided I'll obey and you, I, you the if then I will statements the promises of God like I'm, I'm in on all those that I can figure out that I can obey I don't obey everything God tells me to do do you? But, but this one's not like the other ones. I'm not demeaning that. I'm, I'm learning obedience because disobedience is awful. The results of disobedience versus the results of obedience. So you're here right now. Like, what would, what would the next right thing be to do between you and God? Right here, right now. Is it salvation? God, forgive me. Is it courage? God, help me. Is, is it, is it uh, a leap of faith? All right, God, I'm closing down the whatever. I'm starting the whatever. Okay, God, I'm going back to the fill of marriage. Okay, God, I'm going to look at my kids that I said, I'm done with you. I got nothing left for you. I'm going to go back. and I'm going to apologize for not loving them through this season of their life called the teenage years. And a lot of giggles. Those were mostly from grandparents, though. I, I noticed, like, isn't that funny? <laughs> so, Father, right now, what we got to do is trust you. What we can't do is not trust you. That's, it's just that simple, isn't it? I trust you for salvation. God, if you need salvation right now, come on. God, I trust you to, to be better, to be bigger, to be more powerful. What I've done is not more powerful than you. What I've done is not greater than what you've done for me. So I give you my past. God, I give you my now. I, I live with a, with a rhythm of schedule, a rhythm of budget, a, a, a rhythm of weeks and months and years and goals and retirements and 401k. That I, but I... I I can't remember the last time I did something for the first time because I felt the prompting of the Spirit to say, now take a step. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't wait any longer. So God, whatever that is, we now give that to you. All of this room right now, this last song, it just has the right. And I want you to know, this has been going on now for months, and this is a, this is a testimony to the Lord. I don't pick the music, and those who pick the music don't write the sermons. But have you noticed that every time we come to closing the message, and the, and the music complement each other so well. Have you noticed that? So, Father, right here and now, we know this isn't another song to sing. This is something you have called us to hear and now called us to respond to. And so we do that. We hear.